0: You're listening to the Very Serious Crafts Podcast. We're very serious
1: crafters. And we craft very serious crafts. Very serious. (laughs) (laughs) Hello and
2: welcome to Season 2, Episode 10 of the Very Serious Crafts Podcast. I'm
1: Molly from Wild Olive. I'm Haley from Red Handled Scissors. And I'm Heidi from Hands Occupied. Today, we'll be talking about sewing, spinning wheels, and blocking our knitting. Yay! Yeah! Woo! <laughs> good things. How very, very
2: exciting. <laughs> um, and I thought today, just to start us out, um, you know, we we like a good dad joke around here, and they, they usually, they usually <laughs> find their way say. in. Um, there was one small one a couple episodes a- ago, but I felt like we needed a good quality Dad joke for today. So we're just going like full in, like it's a joke. Go on. Okay. Uh so uh-huh. the question is, what do you call it when someone who is not a father tells a dad joke? Any ideas?
1: Molly. Uh, Molly
2: Johansson. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say, this applies to any of our dad jokes in, in the podcast. The answer is you call it a faux pas.
1: Oh, oh no! Gosh, <laughs> that's terrible. I, is that an Is that a Molly Johansson
2: original? It is not. It is not. Uh, I think. I think my sister told me that, and I immediately was like, "Okay, well, I have to tell this joke on the podcast." Oh my god! Because <laughs> my life is sad.
1: No, uh,
0: that was that was awful. I know. I
2: That's so
1: good. Full, I mean, full genuine laugh out loud. So I guess you've got that seal of approval. There you go.
2: (laughs) At the very least. I love, it started with the obvious groan. But then you can't help but laugh afterwards, so. I mean, that's how you know it's a quality
0: dad joke. Yeah. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so that's. Oh, man. That's what I'd like to bring to the episode today.
1: (laughs) How about you? That might be your best. That might be your best yet. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) That's pretty good.
0: So in entirely undead joke-related news, (laughs) (laughs) I just got um, a book that I'm super excited about. It it was one of those things that arrived and I had it unwrapped and out of the package before I was back upstairs when when the UPS guy dropped it off. (laughs) Um, It's the... Gertie sews Jiffy Dresses book by Gretchen Hirsch. Um, so the uh, oh, what is her blog name? Oh, Gertie's Guide to Better Sewing. I think is blog that for better right? sewing, maybe blog for better sewing. Yeah. Yes, Gertie's blog for better sewing. Um, but she has many books out. But this is her new Jiffy Dresses book. So it's made to be dresses that are designed to be sewn in a day.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, nice. like completely finished. Um, so they're like the the 1950s-inspired Jiffy dresses that were supposed to be like start them in the morning and wear them to dinner at night. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, that's an actual thing.
1: I'm sure it was.
0: Um, yeah, and so the dresses are super cute and... They're largely, like, belted styles, so you don't have to do all of the really tweaky fitting.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and they're also, most of them are, like, A-line, so you're hip, so you're really only dealing with, like, bust specifically for fitting. Yeah. And they're super cute. And I'm looking forward to sewing a dress or two... Today!
1: Probably
0: not today, um, as I still um, have not yet finished my studio reorganization. <laughs> Although it's looking better. Neither have I. Yay! We're so good. That's because deadlines.
1: Yep. Yes. I have had... Well, actually, we'll do Train of Shame at the end of the episode. <laughs> yes. Um, I, have, I have several. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, in non-train of shame news, (laughs) I went on my vintage knitting retreat that I was talking about. Um, Yeah. It was cool. (laughs) It looked so fun. It was really fun. Um, And everybody looked adorable. Yeah, I felt like, I mean, I always feel like I have imposter syndrome, like what else is new? (laughs) But. (laughs) Whatever, you're the cutest. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Um, But. I mean, so the, the retreat was hosted by Sydney Crabaugh. I'm probably pronouncing her last name wrong, but she's more widely known as Squidney Knits on Instagram. And she, in real life, lives up to the hype. She genuinely looks like she walked out of a historic photograph from 1935. She nice. is adorable. Um, she wears pretty much exclusively vintage. And she was a really, really nice person, which was also I nice. I love it when that happens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she was great. And she was sick the whole time, so shout out to Sydney because she was a trooper.
0: Oh, that is rough.
1: Yeah. But it
0: looks like you guys had so much fun. Yeah, we
1: spent... Three nights at this um, old farmhouse that was built in, I think, 1863 in Hudson, New York. And Mm -hmm. it's been owned by the people who, the family of the people who own it for 70 years. So the house is a little bit of a treasure trove, too, of vintage furniture and knickknacks and. They had a collection of hat pins on, like, this organ in the entryway. And they're just hat pins that the current owner found, like, between the floorboards. And some of them, like, had actual jewels on them. Um, Cool. So it was really cool to be in a place that was so steeped in history. Um, Yeah. And it snowed while we were there, which was really, really beautiful. Because we got to sit in this sunroom and just feel like we were inside a snow globe, knitting a 1940s-style sweater um and anyway i could go on and on as usual but now i know how to seem like a pro um and i kind of i think i'm gonna really s-e-a-m Yes. s-e-a-m <laughs> yes s-e-a-m speaking- as you are actually i was gonna say you do seem Im- like a pro <laughs> <laughs> speaking of imposter syndrome <laughs> and also kind of dad jokes yeah exactly yep. Um but yeah I had a great time and I made a baby sweater and I'm pretty sure my sister-in-law is not a very serious crafts listener so I can say that it's going to be my niece Evelyn's Christmas presents. Yay! Yay! It's and it's got puff sleeves so it's going to be so stinking cute. She's going to be adorable in that. I think, I think mm. I'm going to make myself an adult size version of the same or a similar sweater.
0: Yes, please. Matchy and,
1: matchy. And then take like auntie and me photos.
0: <laughs> yes. And be really I support extra support
1: this plan. <laughs> I support this plan so yes. thoroughly. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and I also really want to make Evelyn some bloomers. <laughs> oh, yes, Yes, definitely. please. Ruffle butt bloomers? Exactly, because why not? Yeah. Yeah. Why not? That really is the question. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so it was a great hmm. time. I really, it was, it was a really special weekend.
0: Awesome. Well, we seem to be, like, on the subject of vintage broadly in this conversation. I'm just looking through our, our topic lists yeah. and we're, we're just going to keep going. I yeah, think we are yeah.
2: um, because I, um, I'm going to jump into a um, little bit of a, a dive on some spinning, spinning wheels, but specifically a vintage spinning wheel, an antique one um, that, um, so I grew up with, this spinning wheel that was always at my grandparents' house. And I spent a lot of time at my grandparents' mm-hmm. house growing up. And I I think that this was like my grandpa's pride and joy. And I don't exactly know why. Um it is an antique. I kind of grew up thinking mm-hmm. it wasn't really an antique, that it was sort of like one of those like it was manufactured like in the nineteen fifties and kind of looked old, but it actually is an is an old one. Um <clears throat> but hmm <coughs> You're going to hear a little bit, like, a little peek at, like, rebellious Molly. So my grandpa... Uh, Yes. (laughs) For some reason... I'm very excited. I rebelled probably more when I was with my grandparents than with my parents. My parents might argue that. I don't know. But anyway, um, (laughs) my grandpa was very much like, don't touch the spinning wheel. Guess what Molly (laughs) wanted to do? Touch the spinning wheel.
0: Yeah, you should never tell a child not to touch a thing.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: Why didn't they just show you Sleeping Beauty and tell you it was real? Yeah. Y- you know, I, it wasn't so <laughs> much that I, I wanted want it. to touch the... <laughs>
2: <laughs> I didn't want to touch it with my finger. I wanted to be like running that thing. So I would go by with my foot and I would just like give it a little, you know, just to make it spin. And of course, then you, it's left spinning, right? So obviously someone has, can see that you have, you have been messing with the spinning wheel. I, it's a ghost. <laughs> okay, we'll get there. We will get there. A
0: very industrious ghost. Ooh, will we? We will
2: get there. That's so interesting that you said right. that. That's hilarious. Um, but yeah, so um I mean, I always talk about ghosts. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> when my when my grandparents passed away, I the spinning wheel came to my house. And it's been here, and it's it's not usable right now, but technically it could be restored and it could be usable. So I've sort of been in this back and forth, like, do I really need to keep a spinning wheel that I don't know how to use and needs work? Is this just taking up more space in my life that, you know, like, do I really need to keep this? Or is this one of those things where it's like, now as an adult, I could make it so that I could touch the spinning wheel and use it as much as I want and just still be a little <laughs> bit like, ha ha, Papa.
0: <laughs> Not that, I'm just imagining yeah. like 30 something you still walking by it and just like setting it spinning. and be
2: like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's I, there's other stories like this of me with my grandparents. It's pretty funny, but um, mostly with my grandpa. But uh, <laughs> so now I'm looking at this thing going, all right should I really consider restoring it? Like if I ever thought that I would want to spin, like learn how to use a spinning wheel, this would be the way to do it, right? Is to use the one that, that is a, basically like a family heirloom for, for all intents and purposes. Yeah. Um, so I'm- t- I'm excited just hearing I about I know, it. I know. So I'm trying to figure out, Um, it has some markings on it, but like it's really hard to make it out, like what it, what it says and when I've mm-hmm. researched online spinning wheels ha- they look very very similar from from right. that era so I don't know if I'll ever find out truly where you know any kind of history to go along with it but as I was finding yes. or trying to find out more about my particular spinning wheel um is I found this website and it's the knittinggenie.com. And Mm -hmm. there's some fun stories that were actually published in newspapers going back to 18th early 19th century. Mm. So we have one that was from the the coroner's inquest from 1827. Wait. Yeah. This was in the the Burroughs Worcester Journal. It says, on Thursday at Hollow, on the body of a poor woman of the name of Martha Middleton, who dropped from her chair whilst working at a spinning wheel and instantly expired. Verdict. Died by the visitation of God. I, but what? I, but the spinning wheel is part of the official inquest.
0: I loved it. I mean... Died by the visitation of God, so you better hope that God doesn't visit you while you're at the spinning wheel, because right? it does not end well. Right?
2: Um, then we have we have from <laughs> from 1841. That is how you get a ghost. Yeah,
0: that is definitely how you get a ghost in your spinning it,
2: wheel. It is. Yeah. Um, we do have yeah. also um, the story of uh, the, it says there is now in the possession of John Abbott of Fallafoot. A cat which is possessed of faculties unknown by any Grimalkin that we have seen or read of. This domestic what? tiger, yeah, I know, this domestic tiger can easily open or fasten any door of the cottage in a manner astonishing to behold by actually climbing up and placing its foot in a peculiar manner on the latch. But what is most wonderful, Mrs. Abbott, who is the last remnant of the olden time residing in that village, occupies some portion of her time in spinning to which the puss lends all the assistance in her power, (laughs) exerting her utmost in the carding of the wool. (laughs) And when... Wait, wait, wait! It gets better! And when her...
0: How do I get one of those?
2: (laughs) And when her mistress will allow, will rattle about the spinning wheel in a manner that would bring the blush on many of our modern female cousins, who would find... Who would find some difficulty, at least, in competing with this self-acquired performer on the spinning wheel.
1: So it's like a pole dancing cat. I, I guess so. I,
0: there are so many things to dissect. This. I know. <laughs> um,
2: I <clears throat> I will also, be. I will put the link to this in the show notes so that everyone can enjoy these stories. But there's one more that I thought Haley would especially enjoy.
1: Um, oh, yes. Oh boy. Uh, I, can, I don't know if I can handle more. I, <laughs> this one probably won't <laughs> make you blush. But um,
2: we, hear a, we hear from Wingrove near Islesburg in Bucks that a few days ago, one Susanna Hanox, an elderly woman of that place, was accused by a neighbor of being a witch. For that, she had bewitched her spinning wheel so that she could not make it go round and offered to make an oath of it before a magistrate. So apparently...
0: <laughs> I, <laughs> yes, witchcrafting. crafting. Yeah, I mean, she's,
2: she's placed a curse on the spinning wheel.
0: I don't think it was a curse. I'm pretty sure. Uh, oh, wait, wait. What, is the witch stopping the spinning wheel from moving yes.
2: or making it move? Yes, yeah, she bewitched her spinning wheel so that she could not make it go round. So the witch did this to uh, to someone oh. else. Yeah. Oh.
0: See, I was thinking the witch was shortening her own work by making the spinning wheel go on its own. Right, yeah.
2: Which is a far better use of that kind of Well, thing. if you think about it, she... <laughs> She hasn't, it doesn't actually say that she hasn't done that. Like, it's quite possible that she also bewitched her own spinning wheel to produce uh, faster.
0: <laughs> therefore, I mean, that would be some witchcraft. Yeah,
2: therefore outproducing the neighbor. I mean, you don't know. <laughs> okay. Okay. Where do
0: I learn these spells is what I want to know.
2: (laughs) I don't know. I mean. That was from.
0: I hear tell that there's some knitting in my sleep that I could be doing. Okay. Like, honestly, I, my crystals need to get with it.
2: Well, this goes back to uh, the Whitehall Evening Post in London (laughs) from 1759. So first you're going to have to hop back in time. Then you can get your information from Susanna Hanox. I mean, I could just get out a, a
0: pentagram,
1: <clears throat> Molly, <laughs> and call her up. <laughs> oh, this is so funny. Anyway.
0: Yeah. I, I was just like... What Was it, wait, was it pentagram that you said? What was it? Pentagon. Or pentagon.
2: I was, pentagon. I was
0: pentagon. Yes, I called Pardon it a pentagon. Yeah. <laughs> Call I I could call her into my pentagon. You
2: could. (laughs) (laughs) This is so Um, funny. Listen
0: to season one if you don't get that's right.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yep. Um, But yeah, I mean, I was I was looking for history of my own spinning wheel and found those gems, and I just couldn't wait to share it with you all.
1: That was that so funny, is
2: amazing. <laughs> I am I'm del- the ghosts
0: and witches, like could it be more in my wheelhouse? I know I don't know, uh,
2: yeah, so anyway, now that we have discussed um possibly inappropriate cats and vintage <laughs> spinning wheels, Bailey, what do you uh, want to talk uh, about today? so we've been talking about
0: sewing a lot lately because that seems to be on our minds broadly at the moment. And so I wanted to bring the, the great fabric pre-washing debate to you guys. Mm-hmm. So uh, to pre-wash or not to pre-wash, that is the question amongst people who sew Forever and ever, probably until the end of time and from the beginning of it.
1: (laughs) Well, I will say, as the person who's been, like, a broken record about sewing, I have never pre-washed because I'm that rudimentary of a sewist. But I assume that someday I will really regret it and then never not do it again.
2: Probably. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, that sounds logical. Yeah.
0: (laughs) All right, so... I am sort of solidly on team, maybe, <laughs> sometimes. Solid team. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the team that I, that I am owning. Um, so <laughs> I think that it matters a lot what kind of project you're talking about. Yeah. Um, and it also matters, like, most of us who sew know that fabric is weirdly crisp when you get it. And um, if you've been around fabric for long enough, you know that that's because it has chemicals in it called sizing um, that makes the fabric stiffer and easier to cut and easier to roll and easier to stay on its bolt for shipping like it it does things um, to make just make the fabric more sturdy. I'm not sure if it's part of like the um, dyeing or even the printing process for, digital printed fabric, but it's in pretty much every fabric. Yeah. And I happen to be wildly allergic to it, which is mm. another uh, okay. check in the wash that nonsense category.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But um, so it matters what kind of project you're doing. If you're doing a quilt or if you're doing clothes or home goods, decor, something that is never going to see a washing machine. Um, So I generally speaking like for quilts and pieced things unless you're talking about really super tiny pieces or a project that I want to be especially smooth I don't bother because shrinking especially of quilting cotton adds a lot of texture after you've quilted it. Yes, mm-hmm. so that, that I crinkle mean, you're,
2: is so nice. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. like it, it puffs up, it, it helps a quilt puff up and, and just look more dramatic, like makes the quilting and stitching more dramatic
1: and like homier too. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And so, um, and with a quilt, you're probably gonna wash it, and especially if you're making it for like a kid, you're definitely gonna wash yeah. it before you give it to them. And so it just gives it that, like, more lived-in, nice, comfy look. Um, so with quilts, I I don't generally bother. Unless I'm doing something like applique where it matters if something maintains its exact shape.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Um, and so, uh, but clothes, on the other hand, and like Heidi, when I first started sewing, I also never pre-washed. And it probably didn't matter but i also didn't have my fitting game down enough Mm -hmm. um that it would have necessarily been obvious when the ill-fitting nature of my first outfits was ill-fitting in an ever so slightly different way after washing (laughs) it i i don't know i never had anything like shrink to super 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 short or anything like that um although uh at some point, I should tell you guys the story of when I made a pair of underpants with Stretch going the wrong way. Ooh. <laughs> uh, yeah, they were real hard to get on. But boy, did they hang low. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, anyway, so <laughs> if we're talking about clothes, the general rule of thumb for not spending a bunch of time making something and then crying about it. It for me is washing the fabric, pre-washing the fabric. How you intend to wash the garment, Um, which I think is how most people recommend doing it. Um, In order to keep your fabric from fraying, you might want to stitch around the edges of the fabric before you wash it. Um, I'm gonna be honest. If I don't have to pre-wash, I don't. Like, if I think I can get away with it, because I live in a par- in an apartment in New York City, and I don't have laundry in my building, and there isn't a laundromat in my neighborhood. At and all? So, uh, no, we send our laundry out. Okay. Um, which is the common way to do it. Like, there's a laundromat within walking distance, but it's, it's a distinct effort mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
0: to, to actually wash things. But... If I'm sewing with something like quilting cotton, which is where all the cute prints are, instead of an actual blend for making clothes, I really got to pre-wash that. Otherwise, I'm going to end up with something terribly shaped. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, I think that stuff, like, keeping in mind the reality of what you expect this fabric and this garment to do makes a lot of sense. Um. Definitely, definitely. If you're doing 100% cotton, please just wash and pre-shrink. Please just do it. <laughs> you will be sad if you don't do it. Um, although, I will say, in a, a possible hot take on this subject, <laughs> Ooh. I think, at least for quilting, that the fabric companies have weighed in on this. I think that charm packs that are not pre-washed but are clearly made for immediate sewing into quilts means that fabric producers, our team, don't pre-wash on quilts. I think that makes a lot of sense. Like, I mean, they might be fighting words, but... Has anybody ever in life pre-washed a charm pack? Can
2: you imagine?
0: <laughs> no, I can just oh the, uh the fraying. Um.
2: Yeah. Yikes. Like, what that was, like, That's tiny like tiny really...
0: two-inch squares. <laughs> yeah, I was
2: gonna say that's a good way to ruin a washer and dryer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Don't do
0: it. I, um. So yeah. Th- those are my thoughts, and I'm sure that every other person who's listening to us has their own thoughts on whether or not you should pre-wash and will email me about how wrong I am. Um, so what do you guys think?
1: Uh, I agree with Molly. It sounds like a great way to destroy a washing machine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I think generally, though, you are
2: very on target with what, with what you had to say. I will confess that I... Um, so I don't do a lot of garment sewing. Um, when I have, I have pre-washed because it was quilting cotton. So I've been on target there. When I when I sew for like more craft related items, whether they would be, yeah even if they would get washed, like pillowcases and things like that, um, I generally don't pre-wash because it's designed to just be photographed. Now it can be used afterwards, obviously, but right. it's designed to be photographed and I feel like not pre-washing makes that fabric look the best in a photo because you know how sometimes it gets that little bit of um you know it just kind of yeah it dulls exactly so I try to avoid that um but my the thing that always makes me a little nervous is sometimes I'm combining like a quilting cotton and a linen and if I had to wash it afterwards I'm not exactly sure how that would (laughs) come out <laughs> so I yeah. I yeah those shrink differently <laughs> I have some I have some items that I have made like that and I go I hope I never ever have to put that quilt in a washing machine
0: <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah I feel that way about curtains yeah and I mean I know I, I should totally anything with that much fabric just just pre-wash it yeah. just do <laughs> but no no yeah and i I live in fear of needing to wash curtains and then seeing how straight they really hang. Afterwards. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's the big one mm-hmm. there. <laughs> yeah. and I mean, for like something like knits or like something on the bias, I don't necessarily... Think it is necessary um, all the time, but I feel like it's one of those things that you know, like you know if this could go spectacularly wrong. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> like some. If you're talking about something very fitted,
1: pre-wash
0: uh, the fabric. Yeah, <laughs> but if you're talking about like a baggy shirt dress, who cares? Yeah, literally no one's going to notice. Yeah, mm-hmm. like mm, whatever, or. You might have to rehem it. Yeah. If it, it shrinks in a wonky way.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But yeah, that's definitely, I, I think pre-washing, if I had a washing machine, <laughs> and it, if that were a readily available option to me, I would probably pre-wash everything. Mm-hmm. But it's not, so I pick and choose my battles.
1: Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to have to pre-wash everything. Yeah, Heidi. (laughs) I know better now. Dang
0: it. Yeah. Well, but the more you get into fitting, which you've been sort of diving into a little bit more. Thanks to um, you.
1: Oh, wait, just kidding. Sorry. Thanks thanks to having a human shaped body and being a craft designer. Well, okay.
0: Also that. But um, I expect that it will be more relevant.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that and like the and like we've talked about the whole point of wanting to learn to sew is to actually wear clothes that you know fit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Imagine that, right? Yeah. Go figure. Mm. It's almost like you know, universal sizing is not effective for everyone. Hmm. Huh. Hmm. I mean, could that be? I never. <laughs> <laughs> well, on probably the totally opposite end of the uh particularity spectrum if i can <laughs> yes if i can use that word um that i just made up <laughs> uh this past weekend i spent quality time with some used fabric at you know my favorite place in chicago the waste shed <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> that i've maybe talked about once or twice um Oh, speaking of spinning wheels, I think the spinning wheel there sold. Oh. So that's exciting. Yay. All right.
0: Oh, somebody has one. Yeah. Then. Hopefully, exciting.
1: hopefully not haunted. Hopefully not. But you never know. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, Indeed. yeah, this past Sunday was the Waste Shed Spring Craft Fair in Chicago. Ironically enough, it snowed all day that day.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: and that means like you do. Yeah. In spring, uh, it was very wet snow. It was really unpleasant, but yeah. <laughs> the craft sh- the craft the craft fair still happened, and um, because the way shed uh, sells uh, second hand materials for arts and crafts and teaching and whatnot. Um, all the artists featured in the craft fair, all are recycling artists. So they upcycle, they repurpose, et cetera. There was even this woman who I really enjoyed chatting with who, um, upcycles wood products and her stuff was really, really cool. And I'm excited to continue following her work, but I digress. I was there to lead a free make and take as part of the craft fair, um, just as a volunteer. And so... I was like, well what's the most like recycly thing I can do that requires minimal instruction and can be done for essentially free? Yeah. And they among the many donations the Waste Shed gets are a lot of craft stashes, as I've discussed before. But particularly right. one thing that's particularly challenging even for a place like the Waste Shed that specializes in selling fabric stashes, one of the problems that they have is when they get a quilter's stash. Because a lot of it's already cut, because grandma passed away when she was halfway through cutting this quilt top, or whatever. Right. Or somebody who was a sewist who didn't get rid of their scraps, because we're crafters and do that sometimes. (laughs) Uh, Yes. So they had this giant box of little pieces of fabric, usually like a, like a six, there were several like six by six inch um squares, longer strips, things like that. And I was and they they just had it in a free pile and every once in a while they just purge it because they can't hold on to that forever. Um and so I took those scraps and played around with finger knitting with them and we made finger knit statement necklaces, which was cool because I got to teach everybody how to repurpose otherwise unusable scraps into fabric yarn pretty easily. It involved lots of very satisfying tearing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And so it was quick as well. And then we finger knit these chunky statement necklaces and it was really, really fun. Um, And I highly recommend giving finger knitting a try if you find yourself with a lot of fabric to use up and or kids that need entertaining.
0: (laughs) And that that stuff actually looked cuter than I would have expected it to. Totally, totally. Yeah, they
1: were actually...
2: (laughs) The finished products that I was, was seeing in your uh, feed were, like, or in your stories, uh, were fantastic.
1: Yeah. yeah they are really, really cute. Yeah. It also helped that um, a lot of the craft bear vendors, when it was slower, um, like, came over to do the craft, which was cool. Oh, um, well, Sure. Yeah. And so they, they all had really creative ideas because they're professional recycling artists. So I had a good time. Fun. Yeah. Even though Just it was snowing. Yeah. Like <laughs> And you do love the waste shed. Yeah. I really do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm hoping yeah. I was I was talking to Liz, the woman who is like the lady in charge over there. And I was like, you know, if you need help tabling at a farmer's market, we can do this craft. All I need is like six pairs of scissors and this bucket of stuff that's otherwise going to be garbage. So that was exciting. It was nice to actually be able to volunteer doing a craft thing that was appreciated and didn't look like crap. <laughs> you know yeah <laughs> yeah Oh, no, totally um so yeah that was fun cool nice yay okay
2: so uh so we're gonna move into another topic here a little less vintage old recycly um and a little more making new things Um, and that topic is specifically on blocking your knitting and as probably and the- crochet oh yeah that's right i should say your crochet as well because yeah. That was one of my one of my first blocked projects was uh was crochet. Um mm-hmm. but I um I feel like I'm the least experienced in this of the three of us and definitely just try to avoid blocking entirely or as long as possible, which I I'm going to But you really not. need to. <laughs> yeah, I I there's something like that just felt intimidating to me about it. I'm not sure why, but um, my Mm -hmm. first, uh, my first. I think
0: a lot of people feel that
2: way. Yeah. I, um, and and again, like once I did it, that felt kind of silly, but um, my first uh, go at blocking, and I did this a couple of times, I misted it heavily, which I read is a, is a valid method of blocking, but, um, or I watched a YouTube Mm -hmm, video mm -hmm. on it or something, but I just sprayed it down and then I pinned it. And, and it was kind of okay, except that, um, that blocking has not held as especially well. So then I Mm -hmm. went to soaking and much better, much better results with that. Um, Mm -hmm. and I, again, being new to this, haven't, um, haven't invested too heavily in blocking mats or anything. I usually just put a towel down on the carpet and pin into the floor but um but now i want to hear about what you guys do for this
1: one quick jump in about the towel that's what i did for years i didn't i didn't know that you could block any other way (laughs) okay um and that's that's how i started too yeah Mm -hmm. okay yep yep
0: into a rug on my floor Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all right so that is a a totally normal um like, you don't need anything extra
1: method to yep. get that done. Yep. And you can use regular totally sewing pins. You don't have to buy the special ones at all. It's pins. Yeah. Yep. It's pins.
2: Eventually, Anyways. I may upgrade, but it. this is what I've had and, and have made work. So, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. I think that that's actually a really good point. I think a lot of people who feel intimidated about blocking think that they need something fancy. And you don't. I mean, like, like we have all experienced, a towel on a floor and some sewing pins is enough. It's, it's not dramatically complicated. Yeah. Um, I personally like to make it more dramatically complicated because I like grids and things measured specifically. And so I tend to go a, a little bit overboard in this sort of thing. But, um, who is surprised? right? Uh, <laughs> Sorry, just <teasing>. no one <laughs> crickets sound across the internet. <laughs> um, so we've all got our own personal methods. Um, mine is like for for really thoroughly blocking a project. Um so I uh, start by soaking in will wash, and then I generally use a big fluffy towel to press out as much excess water as possible very gently without stretching, like, never wringing out or anything like that. Um, and then I pin my projects to a gridded mat to make sure that everything stays evenly and let them dry that way. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, like my full blocking um nonsense but um if i've got something that i need to wear or like when i was going to chicago for the uh serious crafts live show um <laughs> yeah Yeah, and and I'm just getting my accent out a little. Um, My my mom has made a sudden appearance. Um, Anyway, uh, I'm not sure why my Midwest surfaced just then. Uh, I guess you all just made me feel very close to to my roots. Um, But for the shawl that I brought with me, I finished the night before, and there was no time for any of the full blocking nonsense. I sprayed that thing with a spray bottle and pinned it. Matter of fact, I pinned it first, and then I sprayed it with a spray
1: bottle. (laughs) This will (laughs) be this size.
0: I may have (laughs) done that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I, I pinned it first, and then I sprayed it with a spray bottle, and it was fine. Um, I have also, on more delicate or more likely to shrink items, uh, I have used a clothing steamer. Um, On less likely to shrink items, I have used steam from my iron Mm -hmm. and pinned it to my ironing board because that is fast. Mm -hmm. You don't want to do that on something delicate or something that it matters if you might really ruin it. (laughs) But for, for quick bursts that'll do in a pinch or refreshing the shape of like a cuff or something like that. But, uh, so those are, are my go-to methods. Heidi, you are the, the knitting and crochet, uh, lunatic. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) That's fine. I was going to say something nice, but,
1: Um, but uh, expert lunatic. Sure. (laughs) That means you definitely should listen to what I have to say. Definitely. (laughs) Um, Okay, so one thing I should probably start with is as a professional knitter and crocheter person, um, I have worked for money for a couple different wool wash companies um for like sponsored blog posts or like back in the day like a brand ambassador thing so fyi um i'm gonna avoid using brand names because that's weird and i want you to know that this is genuinely what i do and also you don't actually have to use a fancy brand of wool wash no you don't it's true um, people use. Although
0: I'm sure we'll put what we're using yeah. in the show notes, right? Yeah.
1: But it um, smells. And there's so, so many pretty. options to. Yeah, there's so many <laughs> options to choose from, and they smell really nice. And the people who run the companies are really nice. <laughs> True. Um, but yeah, so FYI, there. Um, I mean, for years, people used Woolite, then mm-hmm. just like you use for your other delicate items. Um, and also you can use, um, wool wash solutions that are marketed to knitters and crocheters you can clean your bras with those too like it's i do in fact yeah
0: i hand wash my bras with the
1: very same thing every week yeah they these wool mm-hmm. washes are just basically a not a heavy duty detergent that's designed to get rid of stinks and oils and dirt it's detergent yep. it's designed to clean your stuff <laughs> mm-hmm. um and half the time i don't even use it unless i've been like on a deadline, and have been kind of like eating while I'm knitting, or if I, <laughs> or if I've been work, no, for real, or or if I've been like working on something at knit night, or if it's winter and I've been putting on a lot of lotion and I want to get yeah. that oil out of there, that's a lot of times what you use that wool wash for. Yeah. Before I get too deep into this, though, I do want to mention for folks that don't work with yarn a lot, blocking is kind of like pre-washing fabric. Um, mm-hmm. You generally you soak the item in water and or wool wash and you let the fibers get saturated and then you lay it out in the shape you would like your finished piece to be and blocking helps clean the thing, helps define its shape, and also if you're working with certain fibers that change shape once they're wet, it's critical. I'll say that. And that is the one point where blocking is actually objectively critical. If you're working with like a linen or a silk or a weird blend, Mm -hmm. um, blocking Will completely transform your lace that looks kind of wrinkly and tiny, mm-hmm. and then you block it, and it looks beautiful. Yes. And you can also pin out your lace shape and make sure that all your lace openings are perfectly placed and all that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so FYI. But, I mean,
0: even with just a hat. Yeah. Like, you're, most of us are like, whatever, I'm not going to block my first ever project I promise it will look so much better Yeah. if you block it. Like, uh, it will turn something that you're like, oh, I don't know, I'm not very good at this, into something you're proud to wear. Yeah.
1: Blocking, and just try it. Blocking will even out your stitches if you're struggling with tension. Yep. Um, it will make them closer to the same size. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I recommend at least trying it for yourself, especially if you're making something fitted. Much like Haley's advice for the pre-wash, which you just heard me say, uh I don't want to, so don't feel bad if you feel that way. <laughs> <laughs> don't feel bad if you feel that way about the yarn version. <laughs> um, but let's see. A lot of what Haley said is perfectly on point. Um, I really like using, I mean, I started out, when I first started blocking, I didn't pin anything. I just used cold water and my, like, junky towels. That was all I used. Um, I like. I really prefer soaking my knitting or and crochet for blocking. I like putting it in a cold to tepid, so like room temperature water or colder. Um, mm-hmm. I like to soak my pieces in that for at least a half hour, especially if it's wool, to make sure that all of the fiber gets wet. Mm-hmm. And yeah. with crochet especially crochet is a little more complicated Mm -hmm. because the stitches are more dense because there are a series of tighter knots that are wrapped around each other and so they take longer to soak through and longer to dry. I recommend using a fan when you're blocking crochet to keep the air moving because if you're taking like let's say it's really cold where you live if you're leaving something on the blocking mat for a long time and it's not drying fast enough, you can get a mildewy project and nobody yeah. wants that. Yeah. yeah. And then you have to start over. So yeah. little disclaimer there. Um, start
0: over with the with the washing and the block. Yeah. Not start yeah. Over
1: with project. <laughs> can you imagine? Yeah. I mean, oh, God. <laughs> and if it gets moldy, Afghan. it's like, well <laughs> Oh, this is trash. <laughs> Twenty zillion yards of yarn later. Anyway. Um, sorry, I'm, like, jumping from thing to thing, so feel free to rein me in, ladies, if I'm, like, all over the place. No, <laughs> you're good. good, you're good. But the thing, the thing, I, I, I do think, I mean, the the class that I get requested to teach the most, and I still haven't pulled the trigger on putting together, is a blocking and finishing class. Um, mm-hmm. And it's the thing I get asked about the most, maybe because I post Instagram stories where I'm, like, pinning an afghan with 20,000 pins in it, because... <laughs> I'm particular. Um. <laughs> particular. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I see. I'm not the only one of us. Yeah. But especially if you're doing design work, you want to make sure that your yep. finished dimensions are correct. Especially if it's something really big that's a lot of yardage. Like with Intarsia Mountain, I pinned out all but every stitch of that thing, all, every edge stitch, I should say. And I also, right. <laughs> I also babysat it as it dried. So I checked on it for like a full day every few hours. And what I like to do for a big project is well, I have two dogs. So for one thing, I make a little corral <laughs> to keep them from climbing on my thing that I'm trying to make look nice cuz that if one of my dogs is like this seems comfortable, that yeah. they're going to wreck the whole thing and that's not what I want. Um but for larger projects, I will straight up block on the floor, ideally on blocking mats just for a little more control. Um, or I use, um, a big sewing table that folds out if it's big Mm. enough to accommodate the project. Um, and I, my main tools are pins, blocking mats, and a yardstick and my hands. So once I've soaked my project for, you know, the 30 minutes or longer, um, in the right temperature water, I lay it out in towels, like Haley mentioned, carefully lay it out because you don't want to like partially pick up your thing out of the dye bath and let all of the yarn between your hand or I mean not the dye bath the soaking bath you don't want the yarn between your hand and the bowl to completely stretch out because you are at major risk of damaging your project if while it's fully saturated with water if you pull on Mm -hmm. it or wring it out like you would a towel that's not what you want to do this stuff is delicate even if it's a fairly sturdy fiber yeah when it's wet I soak
0: mine in a lingerie bag sometimes that's really smart especially unwieldy yeah that's really smart Haley
1: um, and then I lay out the thing on however many towels I need and I roll it up like a burrito carefully. Mm-hmm. And then I punch the crap out of it. Um, or I straight up I dance on it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or I do I like pull a Lucille ball in the grapes and walk on it. <laughs> yes. Um, I-, I think I-
0: I've seen videos of you doing that.
1: Probably. <laughs> yeah, I-, I do it too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that just helps press the moisture into the towel and. The, wa- the water will stay in the towel more than the yarn. And then your towel mm-hmm. will be wet as heck. And what I like to do, especially if it's on the floor, I, I like, lazily clean my floor with all that water. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, walk around and scrub I the floor. I think that's very reasonable. Why yeah, and, not? Yeah. And I do it on the counter, too, if it's a smaller project. So, life mm-hmm. tips all around. Um, sorry, I'm, like, rambly. But um, <laughs> then I lay, I lay the thing out on the blocking mats or towels. And then I carefully pin it out. But usually not immediately. If the piece looks like it's gotten really big, the term you'll often see is blooming when the yarn gets way bigger when it's wet. Sometimes, mm-hmm. some fibers, when they get wet, they will bloom and stay bigger. And that is a known thing. Check Ravelry forums if it's a new specialty yarn that was expensive and you want to make sure not to wreck it. Yeah. Um, But le- even with like an acrylic wool blend, you can run into this something being like huge, huge, huge when it's all wet. And so what I like to do is just lay it out flat, like sort of have it be the shape, but then just let it sit for a while with a fan, with a fan on it. No heat, just a fan. That air circulation will help it dry. And as it mm-hmm. starts to get less saturated, you can it will naturally shrink a little. And you can also kind of zhuzh it in a bit. And so I kind of gently... Using my, the palm of my hand and my entire forearm, if it's a big piece, mm-hmm. I will slide it a little bit together, being careful not to pull on my stitches if they are really, really wet. And then what I like to do, once it's less dry, that's when I s- grab my yardstick and pin it to shape. So if it's like, let's say I'm going for something 36 by 60, I will straight up measure. Yeah. Um, and I don't usually use gridded... Um, blocking mats I just use a yardstick um, or a ruler and I find that does the job well enough and the real trick is if you want something that is very square making sure that your angles are 90 degree angles and that your lines are straight and that's where the yardstick's great because I like to tap it against my top and my sides if I'm trying yep. to zhuzh it in a little and so yep. even if you feel like your tension got wonky. that cleans up those edges too exactly and if mm-hmm. you feel like your tension got a little wonky when it's wet is a great time to kind of work it. with those yep. stitches and mm-hmm. make them, make <laughs> them behave at all. With crochet, especially that's, I, that is a cha- that is a, like, sticking point when I'm blocking. Yeah. Crochet, especially. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously I could go on and on and on but I will leave it there. <laughs> no, I think that's a really good
0: place for people to get started, especially people who might have felt a little more intimidated. Yeah, Like, it's not hard, it's just that you have to pay attention yeah
1: and i and the babysitting thing like don't lay your thing out to block and then leave for vacation because then your thing might end up being blocked to a weird size and you can't intervene at any point
0: yeah i mean but you can always if you screw up get it wet again yeah like it's it's not a big deal and if you're not a designer Maybe you don't care as much if everything is exactly mm-hmm. the size it's supposed to be.
1: Yeah. It's up to you. Yep. And, um, oh, one last pro tip. I guess literally yeah. pro tip. <laughs> is, <laughs> yes. Um, I have been known, especially if I have a, a big piece, I did, um, I designed a super scarf for the Craft Yarn Council's super scarf campaign a couple years ago, and they are mm-hmm. it's a scarf that's like a foot by six feet was the... Design specification, um, and I used yarn from a big box store, and the colors were really great, but it was a very bright blue and a cream, and Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, if these leak, the entire, like, this multiple feet of knitting is going to be ruined. So I, instead of doing tepid, room-temperature water, I did as cold of water as I could get, and then I Mm -hmm. dumped ice on top. Yep. And... The thing, though, to be careful with is that the ice, don't try to move it when it's on top of your fiber because it can freeze. It will freeze directly to the moisture in your piece. Yeah. So just get your water set, dump the ice on top, and leave it. The ice will also help weigh your piece down into the water. And then once all that ice has melted, you're... Free to go, so to speak. Yeah, <laughs> um, no, that's a really good tip, especially if you've got something that might bleed. Yep, and I and I often like to block in a like sterilite tub or drawer from one of my yeah, organizers because then I can mm-hmm. see if there's a dye coming out of the yarn. That's yep. really smart. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, again, that. I am a psychopath, lunatic, professional person. Um, <laughs> but those are all good tips. Yeah, yeah. I mean.
0: I mean, I think it's better to know a little more than you need to know than not yeah. enough mm-hmm. when you're working with something, and, especially a project you spent time and on. And I think, right. I mean,
2: this is what being a very serious crafter is all about.
1: Oh, right.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. So. Hey. Hey. Very serious. Hey. <laughs> Alright, so, um, talking about being especially crazy about things, <laughs> um, shall we do a quick round of Train of Shame? Speed round! Yeah, speed round. Speed round. speed round! speed round!
2: Okay, bullet train! <laughs> yes! <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm just, like, a couple episodes ago, um, Hayley mentioned that she, I, it was almost, it almost felt, like, controversial, but she mentioned that she is, she doesn't, like, uh, Mod Podge, and, I instantly thought True. about the
0: craft. Don't at me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. I thought about the craft thing that I also don't like, that I sometimes feel like I almost should hide, but I do not like mm-hmm. like I hate might be a strong word, but I don't like scrapbooking. I don't like doing it.
0: Relate- That's okay, me neither. Yeah. I sometimes relatable. think Sorry, it's okay, guys.
2: but um it it always feels like as a graphic former graphic designer that I should connect with it in some way, but I do not. I like scrapbooking supplies for other things, like washi tape and some patterned mm-hmm. paper and things, but no scrapbooking for me.
0: <laughs> that's
2: okay.
1: That's okay. And me neither. And digital scrapbooking, I'm like, I don't totally understand the well, point. Well, that's it. That,
2: but that feels could, like graphic yeah. design, and yet it's not. Yeah. Because it, it is. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it is, but it and does it, not work that way for me. So, yeah, yeah. that's my thing.
1: I mean, no. I, I understand that some people love it and memory keeping is a thing, but mm-hmm. it's just, it, I didn't grow up with it and it's not for me either. Sorry. I just,
2: I try yeah. and I cannot connect with it. So there's that. Yeah. 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 Hmm. All right. Next car. Well, Where's your n- ticket?
0: <laughs> <clears throat> well, I, um, I must confess to you two That I have very recently unearthed a knitting project buried in my wardrobe that I had clearly hidden there when company was coming over (laughs) to make my workspace look clean and then completely forgot about it. I mean, it's a full project in project bag. Whoops. It was under some towels.
1: <laughs> and you weren't trying to block it?
0: <laughs> no, it, it's definitely not done. I, I was not blocking. Yeah, no. I love Whoopsie. that you just forgot it was there. I, there's so many things that I'm always... No. Do you still out of like sight, the project? Out of mind?
2: I don't remember. Oh, you don't remember? I right. don't even know what's
0: <laughs> in it. <laughs> Like, I looked in, it did not clarify, I put it right back where I found it. (laughs) I'll deal with it at some point. I
1: don't know. Well, speaking of dealing with things at some point, my studio is in a storefront that's at street level. So curtains are a thing. And at craft night, people are like, I feel like I'm in a fishbowl. And I was like, I know, I know. I've got to sew these because the windows are huge. And it would be so expensive to try and find store curtains that were that size. And also, like, it's a craft studio. Why wouldn't I make the curtains? <laughs> Problem is.
0: Because fabric is really expensive. I mean. Well,
2: I got. I, yeah. I would suggest that Ikea might have some solutions for you.
1: Well, too late.
0: I
2: would agree. <laughs> oh.
1: <laughs> too late. I'm on this bullet train caboose. And okay. I am eyeballs deep. Not even eyeballs deep. I feel like I've barely started the project. Um, but... You're, you're pinky toe deep? Sure. <laughs> but don't know. at the end of the day, it's really funny to me that I am surprised... That the fabric that I knew would be a pain in the butt to work with because it's, I got, I need to be able to shoot videos and photos and I want to use them as a light filter. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's why I I also wanted to make these curtains because I had reasons for them to be see-through-ish. Sheer. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so why, why am I so surprised when the fabric I knew would be a pain to work with is why? Hmm. <laughs> why do we why but, do we why do we gaslight ourselves in this way, crafters? It <laughs> just You had hope. I False did. hope, but
0: uh, my condolences. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: The the two panels of the eight that I need that I've finished so far are nice and my skills with working with sheer slippery fabric are certainly improving, but Woof. It takes a while.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well hemming curtains. Is one of those things that I avoid like nobody's business. Yes. It's a straight line, mm-hmm.
1: and yet, and I mean, and yet, and I'm using the sel the selvedge as much as possible because I'm like I'd rather have them done and then I can deal with hemming right. someday. Sure, uh, whatever. But yeah, no, <laughs> it's a whole deal. No is right. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. On that note, someday, someday,
2: someday this this train will reach a good a good destination or something but for now I'm in I still enjoy the ride that's all I'm gonna say yeah yeah and we're learning we're learning exactly and (laughs) I don't know like that (laughs) I don't know what I was gonna say all right shall we wrap it up
0: for today sounds good I think we've done all the damage we can do I I think we've traumatized people (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) sorry guys (laughs) There, witches and stripper cats. Blocking. (laughs) Like,
2: this is like the episode of nightmares. (laughs) Or, or dreams come true. I don't know. Sure. I like the way you think. All right, listeners, uh, if you are a person who (laughs) likes to hang out on the Internet, you should hang out with us. Uh, Find us on Instagram and Twitter at at Serious Crafts and on Facebook at Very Serious Crafts. You can also find show notes and all things Very Serious Crafts at VerySeriousCrafts.com. Uh, want to join in the conversation, just tag us using hashtag very serious crafts. And if you're using Instagram stories, don't forget to tag us with at serious crafts so that we can reshare those stories with everyone else. Um, are you a fan of the very serious crafts podcast? Great pretty please leave the Very Serious Crafts podcast a five-star rating on whichever platform you use to listen to podcasts because good ratings help us show up in recommendations, which helps more people who love crafting to find us. And finally, if you would like to sponsor an episode of the Very Serious Crafts podcast, we would love to have you. And uh, just visit veryseriouscrafts.com and click on sponsor. Thanks.
1: Thank you. Thanks. Bye, everybody. Bye.